Well, welcome back, guys. It's been too long. It's been a minute. We, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we we both we have we both had other things too. We we both traveled some. Yes, but we're back again, and could not be more excited to be finally digging into the movies. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, we say movies. And I've always said movies, but really there's just the one movie, and that's End of Evangelion, which is not what this episode is about. No, this is, you're listening to Sync Ratios, uh, an Evangelion podcast. Uh, We're talking about... An Evangelion podcast and romantic music request call-in show. Yeah. If you want to make a dedication to that that special... (laughs) That what special was, man out there that reminds you of your father. What was the name of the woman that did that? That did Delilah. That? Well, Delilah is like the nationally syndicated one, but wasn't there like a local one in Atlanta for being an eight point five? I'm sure there was. Yeah, Vanessa Stevens or something. She had I don't some. Know. I'm gonna find this out. My dad. I remember my dad saying Ritsuko that she had like a sexy voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just do a whole call-in show that's just the uh, American dub it's voice. It's me, Ritsuko Akagi. Call in. <laughs> this one goes out to Dave. <laughs> His wife is fed up with him, but wants to make it work. Well, <laughs> by way of roll call, uh, this is one of your co-hosts, Ben Collins. This is Luke Piotrowski. Kevin Phillips. Joining us again. Back. Happy to be here. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Evangelion Death, specifically Evangelion Death, open parentheses, true, close parentheses, squared. And I'm uh, going to put a lot of um, unfair burden on you, Luke, too, because mm-hmm. uh, I assume you've done the research, as is your, your want to do, typically. Mm-hmm. What? Why? Why? Yes, I consulted <laughs> avageeks.org, our, uh-huh. you know, the trusty resource for all sorts of things. Um, at the time of its release in theaters with Rebirth, which we'll talk about, on March Uh 25th, 1997, it featured extra footage that had never been seen that was later released as extra footage for episodes 21 through 24, uh, the director's cut episode. Yes. There was a second version personally edited by Masayuki, who is the guy who put this one together, the storyboard artist extraordinaire who's been involved in the show throughout. So uh, Masayuki edited one that aired without Rebirth after the release of the Director's Cut episodes that had much of the extra footage removed. And this is called Death True. And that aired on January 2nd of 1998. And then later a second edit was made called Death True 2, which was part of the final release of the movies in the revival of Evangelion, which was a theatrical re-release of the movies that was in 1998. And that's the version that's been used on home video releases ever since. So the evolution of this thing was they were supposed to have End of Evangelion ready. Mm-hmm. And I think, and it's a traditional thing in, with Japanese anime to have these compilation movies. And it's, you know, especially in the old days, it was cool because you'd get to go and see the animation on the big screen. And, you know, that's it'd a good be point. a way to, to do it. So like Gunbuster, a, a lot of times though, it'll be like narrative. It'll be mm-hmm. like, well, here's everything that happened in the show, but we collapse it and try and edit it into one story and that you typically doesn't work exactly as a mm-hmm. story but it's enough of like okay you get the same narrative experience obviously this doesn't do that but so the idea of the compilation movie was a thing so i don't know i think there was a supposed to be death the compilation movie and they were supposed to have rebirth and i think that was supposed to be all of the narrative contents of end of evangelion but it wasn't done in time 
So they had the first 25 minutes of End of Evangelion ready. Mm-hmm. So what first came out in theaters was Evangelion Death and Rebirth. And that was 70 minutes or so of recap footage, like we see here, repurposed stuff from the show, uh, with some extra bits and pieces here that ended up going into the director's cuts. So showing the Adam embryo in Gendo's hand and stuff like that. Uh, and then followed by the first 25 minutes of End of Evangelion. That's what Death and Rebirth is. Once they put this stuff in the director's cut episodes, that seemed a little less necessary mm-hmm. to have that footage in here. Once End of Evangelion came out and was finished and you got the whole thing, including that first 25 yeah. minutes, it seemed unnecessary. So this has slowly evolved into being a pretty vestigial experience, which is why a lot of people don't watch it anymore, why we sort of went back and forth about it. And mm-hmm. that's why they had the subsequent edits. So theatrically, Death and Rebirth. On television, Masayuki re-edited it to take out a lot of the stuff that ended up being in the director's cut episodes, and then sort of like final tweaks and stuff, and we end up with this version that aired on television. You see, it's Uh, funny because I've been fighting for death here for a minute, uh speaking of its relevance, because as I knew it growing up, um, I had never seen any of the director's cuts episodes, Mm -hmm. and I'd never got to see any of that footage, and so the only... The only experience ever seeing it was within death. And so mm-hmm. I always kind of took it as like, oh, no, this is like relevant, important shit that is new to the series that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And Luke would fire back. It's like, no, this is in the director's cuts, you know, <laughs> as it's proven it was. In that voice. Yeah. And so watching, so actually watching it today, I'm kind of left being like, that's ah, a recap. But it really does have, like you pointed out, Ben, like kind of an insane like, narrative structuring unto itself. It's, it's like, extremely abstract. It's like, wild. I mean, I was going to ask who who put it together and whether that was a known thing, so it's, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, because part of me when watching it was almost like, it almost seemed like it was like something that you let like the the intern do or something. Not And not, and not in a way that I mean to like knock like what he the work he did or anything like that, because I think it's really interesting, but it almost seems like the kind of thing that you just sort of like allow somebody, you know, give them a chance to sort of you know, show them, prove themselves by like cutting this together because it's just like, it, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine the people who've been working so hard on this thing then taking the time to do this. Right. <laughs> but I guess mm-hmm. it's the storyboard artist. It's like, well, his job was probably done already for the movie. And so this is just like something extra he was doing. He's a director too. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, and I will say that ironically because of the time it's taken us to not only watch this entire thing, which we started in March, <laughs> um, and it's yeah. now uh, at the time of yeah, this recording. Yeah, this is the longest it's ever taken me to watch Evangelion. It's usually like over the period of like, you know, a week. Yeah. Uh, two weeks at the most probably. Of... And I, th- I think this is made for an interesting experience, but I think this is actually more helpful for us just because it's like, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen some of these. And that's books. why it would have been helpful before End of Evangelion yes. came out to pair it with something like this, you know, like... You know, if you're going to see Avengers Endgame, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a bad idea to have had like a you know an hour long recap of here's all the character introductions and the important things that we need to set up and just yeah. kind of refresh you on what everything was and who all the players were. So you know, since it had been a minute since the show had you know ended, it makes sense that oh we're supposed to have the movie and before the movie a little recap where you see some new animation and the big stuff on the well, big screen. And, and if you're like ready. if you're like a group of friends and one person hasn't seen 
you know, it's like, or if like your girlfriend <laughs> yeah, or your boyfriend. Good, good has luck, a, girlfriend yeah. or boyfriend. <laughs> well, hypothetical. It, it is other. worth. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I was really kind of stunned watching it this time. Um, and I, we can each go around and if if anyone has any other unique remembrances of this but i've said it before this is the first evangelion i ever saw oh you saw death because really yeah because my oh. friend jake miller uh you know we all have the friend that helped us get into it my friend jake miller uh who i knew from the church youth group uh had been buying the vhs tapes like as they became available of the episodes and on like i remember sitting in the van on like a church like a youth group outing like we we're gonna go play laser tag or some shit like that and we're sitting in the church van like like waiting to leave and he was telling me all about this show that he's been watching because we both you know like the anime and we had that in common and he was telling me all like kind of like you know how he's you like, do put that bible down son yeah yeah dude, the real the, bible i got the real gospel right here yeah. <laughs> but it was like you, you know like back in the day like when when you when things were hard to find it's like sometimes you know your friend would see some crazy thing and just like tell you about it in depth and so he was like giving me like a sort of you know synopsis yes. of the entire show and i was like this <laughs> i would love to hear oh my god a recording of what this 15 year old kid maybe, four, <laughs> maybe <laughs> 14 though i think maybe even said to you to try and encapsulate no i watched the show it's about this robot. i would love yeah i mean it was it was good enough that i was like that sounds really cool i'd love to see that but it was like it, it was an unwieldy amount of vhs tapes to just sort of like mm -hmm. you know so he had gotten he'd gone to a convention it was probably dragon con actually i don't know sure there, it was. if there was another anime convention in atlanta at the time i don't know there there's anime week in atlanta I don't. This uh, probably was Dragon Con though. But he got those like we've talked about it before. But those like multiple generation VHS tapes that had like four different languages, you know, subtitled in because it would be like there was like they were like Chinese subtitles and then it was like boot like right, bootleg yeah, from you, a Chinese yeah, bootleg with like English subtitles. But then the flashing and scrolling uh, f like convention text at the top that's like. This is a promotional copy. This isn't like that type. Of, and it was just like, I mean, it was like, like fucking, uh, I don't know, like a William Gibson, like nightmare, like of just like all <laughs> this different text on the screen. Like it was impossible to watch. And it was like, and it was um, letterbox too, because these were, these were yeah. not, so they were in, it was in like, you know, whatever, 185 or something. And so like, imagine watching a VHS tape on like a, I don't know, 19 inch TV screen. The image itself is so tiny and it's covered in just like Incredible. a million different yeah. colors of text and things like that. It was such, it looked like, you know, like an early internet like kind of thing or something, just pop up ads everywhere and stuff. It was such a mess, but I remember watching it. Some Tim and Eric sketch. Like in in my in my uh, my dad's house, like in the house I grew up in, like he brought it over one night because he had gotten them and he was excited to see because he'd never seen End of Evangelion. And then one night we watched Death and Rebirth and then into Evangelion back to back. So this was the first thing I ever saw, but I had this sort of like, you know, synopsis that he'd been giving me, like as he'd been watching it's the still show. still irresponsible, Ben. This was still irresponsible of Jake to have done Yeah, this. Yeah, Jake, wherever you are, man, poor form. Way to, way should, to, way to ruin my childhood. Should have watched the show first. Yeah. But it was like, it's like, I mean, I did feel like I at least understood what was happening because, you know, he was there to answer questions and stuff like that. And I do remember into Evangelion like being crazy and like, you know, I mean... At the time, my biggest comparison would have been like Akira because obviously, right. like yeah. my anime consumption was limited to what was available, and that was certainly like the model for like this shit goes fucking crazy. And so, like <laughs> this was the first thing. And but watching it now, I'm like, what a bizarre thing for someone to see the first time. It, I mean, it absolutely does not work as a narrative on its own no. because it, <laughs> I was trying to like trying to see if there was some because there are people out there that are sort of like still trying to 
to to tie in like the James Bond movies and to be like, okay, well, if Skyfall is him before he's 007 and that's where he gets his 007, then that means that like Goldfinger takes place after or yeah, after good luck, uh, good luck, Casino guys. Royale. <laughs> Casino Royale, not Skyfall. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But like trying to like, you know, somehow just continue to try and make it make sense. Yeah, that, that like, somehow all, they all fit yeah. together, yeah. So like if there's somebody that's just like willfully like, no, this is an alternate cutting of the thing and that this is all happening in chronological order <laughs> like yeah if you, if you could try and watch it with with the goggles on of like okay this is a, this is a narrative that's taking place in this actual order yeah uh th- yeah there's no way to, to even possibly begin no to do it's, that. it's much more like a godardian like uh you know sort of um collage yeah it's like stream of consciousness editing almost in that things will be kind of thematically tied and th- and there is a loose structure of we do get the sort of not a bookend, but like the the skeletal structure of the string quartet, where each of the four characters, Shinji, Asuka, Rei, and Kaoru, all come in to play their parts in the string quartet. And each, when they're each introduced, it is sort of you know vaguely that section of the movie is about them, mm-hmm. like kind of setting them up. Um, but then there's like all these kind of loose associations to other characters and weird cross cuts where like you know the the slap. Uh, or it's like the death of Kaji, like cuts to Asuka slapping Shinji and like talking mm-hmm. about that, or like you know Shinji screaming when he finds Toji in the shattered um, entry plug. It like cuts to some other strange thing that isn't directly related, but it kind of carries over in, in a weird, interesting way. It cuts from Shinji's eye, his pupil dilating, yeah. to flashback of Gendo in black and white. Ripping Ray from the uh, ripping the door That's off right. the mm-hmm. Ray's right. entry pod. Right, yeah. and there's a moment when the Ava waking up and roars, and it cuts to Ray waking up in mm-hmm. the hospital bed after she had sacrificed herself to save Shinji from the angel. So there's all these kind of weird, like interesting stylistic carryovers, and things seem to be thematically grouped, but it is just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like you are just lost in this. Almost like a fan edit is kind of, I guess, what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Kevin, did you have any impressions or did you do you have any mem- memories of watching this the first time or anything? We should talk about that. I, I, I watched it, you know, back to back with End of Evangelion as mm-hmm. well. So it was Death, Rebirth, and then End of Evangelion. So I would basically watch the first part of End of Evangelion yeah. in succession. Um, but I also watched this on the heels of watching the entire show. Um so the whole experience was like this malaise of of feeling. I don't remember. I, I don't know. I kind of, the first DVD set I owned of it was Death and Rebirth. And so that's what I, I have it right over there, yeah, actually. Yeah. I mean, that was always just my association is to kind of watch them together. Over the course of time, whenever I would like return to the, to the series, you know, as like single serving episodes, or if I just wanted to like throw something in, it would be End of Evangelion. Um, mm-hmm. Moreover, this, but I always held something like I said in my heart for for this for this particular movie, quote unquote. Um, if only because I never seen some of this shit before, like like yeah. I said, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the immediate opening of this is a scenario that we otherwise would not have seen in the series. And I series. was happy to see that again, and I feel like the translation is slightly different. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, certainly from what we saw in the ADV thing, but I wonder if it's even different from what we get in the director's Well, I was going to say, I remember, I, and I could be wrong about this, I remember Death and Rebirth 
always having a slightly different translation. Like I feel like e- even back in the in the like mm. perfect collection days when when you would watch the show and then you would watch death i feel like there were certain bits that were translated differently or at least just they felt different out of context at least but it, it this is definitely different from the ones that we've been the platinum collection that we've been watching mm-hmm. and i don't if anybody out there i mean eventually i mean you're are you've been watching it on netflix but you're watching it dubbed. i'm watching it mostly dubbed yeah so i mean yes. if anybody wants to just if anyone who has been watching the whole thing on netflix because this is the first time we've watched a netflix thing for this podcast so like if anybody wants to tell us whether or not all of the translations in this version of Death match the Netflix version. I'd just be curious. To know yeah, I would that. be curious. Did the remind me like the whole string quartet bit? Mm-hmm. Like, did that did that like occur at any point in the show? It. I mean, the footage and stuff. That footage. No, it's exclusively created for this. Yeah. And for me, that's the one thing that you know kind of keeps this relevant, as I do think that's interesting and fun. What I am sort of unsure about is. Is there any sort of, you know, it chapter two style intent on this thing's part to be like that this ever happened? But it really can't because Kaoru's yeah. introduced like, the, you know, I, you know, and there's no indication that we know that Shinji plays cello and has practiced cello. So that is canonically established, but we don't hear that anybody else plays any instruments. So like it must take there, there's no time in the timeline where that could have actually occurred. So right. it has to be more of an yeah. abstract device of you know and does it does it label them as like student number one and student number two like it doesn't even give their names necessarily like first player fourth player yeah and you never see their faces no. but obviously we know who it is mm-hmm. so it is strange so but yeah i don't think that's literally that ever took place mm-hmm. which is cool i mean it's a very like um it's funny i don't want to get off on on comparison stuff although we can get to things eventually but it it, it, it seems like the kind of thing that i wouldn't be surprised to see in uh, like a Damon Lindelof show, mm-hmm. or even on like a like a Sam Esmail show, it kind of I can imagine some those two guys in particular, as far as contemporary TV, doing something like this, where you sort of like have a kind of fantasy thing where the characters, you know, something on Leftovers or something like that. Like you can kind of picture. Oh, it. no doubt, they're all the, yeah. Was it the International Assassin best episode of television stuff ever? And, uh, yeah. Leftovers very like reappropriates. And that's super interesting because it's all the, it's it's exclusively populated by dead characters, mm-hmm. characters who've died in the show, sort of recast in different roles. It's yeah, incredible stuff. Um, but yeah, this is it's a cool technique. It's a cool technique it that I'd like to see more. It is, and it's a it's thing nice. that at a, a very impressionable age really impacted me because in addition to stuff like the string quartet, there's a thing with anime. And it's and it's fun because like, when you get a show like you know leftovers or lost or whatever, like you can have the fun like okay, Entertainment Weekly did this photo shoot with Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny, and they're like dressed like you know Morticia Adams or like they're dressed mm-hmm. like this, and it's like kind of fun. And you can have that stuff, but with animated characters, you know that they'll produce calendars and they'll produce art books, and they'll produce all these things, so you can see your characters, your favorite characters, all represented exactly as you know them, but in these different situations, like you know where they will be, you know, like a holiday thing where like Oscar and Ray are wearing Santa hats and stuff, mm-hmm. and or like oh here's a picture of them as children, so you get, you kind of it cracks your brain open to where and and your ownership of the characters becomes such that's it's so much more than with the traditional show. When you see them, you, you can kind of imagine all these different alternate worlds, mm-hmm. aside from even the alternate reality that's presented in the last couple episodes of the show. 
And so to see, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they all played the string quartet. And it's like, I know that didn't literally happen in the, in the context of the show. Like, oh, here they all are dressed as cowboys. You know, they, like, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be like, you know, uh, calendars and stuff where uh, I have like a Full Metal Alchemist calendar where they would be in like, you know, cowboy outfits and shit. Mm-hmm. Or like I've seen Cowboy Bebop pictures where they're all, you know, dressed up for a certain kind of festival or whatever. And, it, and it, it's, I don't know, there's something really fun about that and it just feels like there's something on the it's on the table <laughs> it just made me think of uh uh this is such a strange reference but um in the reprint of x-men number one okay there is a like a a, a photo shoot like two-page spread in the back <laughs> that's all of the x-men at a pool party i know, that, I know yeah. the exact image i mean I don't get weird. Some of the, my my some of my earliest you know memorable erections um, come from that. But like same kind of come thing. Come from Gambit, baby. Well, you, charging you up. Sure, we'll we'll, we'll leave it that. <laughs> but yeah, but but that kind of thing where it's like you used to seeing these these characters yes. like fighting things, doing yes. things. This is a great and example. Just in just being in the context of of relaxing and wearing different outfits and like oh well, what kind of swimsuit yes. would you yes. know, would Cyclops wear. Like, I think Wolverine had, like, cut-off shorts. Like, he had, like, jean shorts, cut-off shorts, I, I believe. He did. Uh, and, like, you know, I think, like, um, Colossus the has a Speedo edges. or something. Oh, there Ke- you go. Yeah. Ke- oh, Kevin wow. just got a... Kevin has a shirt. I have this weird image. I have this, like, Eva shirt. I don't know what the fuck it's from. But it's, like, <laughs> Ray, like, kind of forlorn in the foreground. Yep. Like, on some sort of, like... You know, uh, I don't know what is this like some asphalt kind of. It's a, lot. It's a track at school. It's a track. It's a school track, and yeah, they're, they're like all school, in school athletic gym. uniforms. Yeah, mm-hmm. Asuka is like making an aggressive move towards Shinji. Shinji's got like one eye peered over at Ray, mm-hmm. sitting alone, kind of off. Very in her own taken thoughts. aback by yeah. Asuka's advances. I mean, that, I mean the the but this is another like uh, peanuts looking thing too. A little bit. It look, it must be from like Girlfriend of Steel or one of those those games. Um, I will say that I noticed in that picture, you know, uh, I don't want to get weird, but Ayanami does have some nice calves. Ayanami's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, calves. Yet, yet, yet again, yeah, no, we, we, we looked for it in this to see if uh, the... Hoping for the Naughty Bits translation. Yeah. And I got excited because the clobber translation, Shinji at one point, they play the scene where Shinji's like, oh, I'm weak and I deserve to be hit. He says, I'm the one who should be clobbered. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're going to do Ben and I's, you know, pet translation of, mm-hmm. sorry, newcomer, but I had to clobber you. I just yeah. wouldn't be satisfied. What does Best he follow up, follow that up with? Like, he calls himself a sneak? Oh, and the, the Shinji thing? Yeah, yeah, he says, I'm a sneak or I'm sneaky. There's really yeah. nothing sneaky about Shinji. He says, I'm, sneak and a, I'm a sneaky and a weakling. Or I'm sneaky and I'm weak. Yeah, he's not, he's not sneaky really sneaky about no. I don't know why he says that. It's just we yeah, have. He's a fourteen-year-old. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. I mean, he did, you know, sneak into Ray's apartment. But. Oh, but he announced himself. He's not. He did. Yeah, um, he was there on official business. I mean, there's definitely. St- you know, I guess he he puts on a happy face sometimes, and he doesn't really feel it um, to put other people at ease. I kind of just kinda take whenever Shinji insults himself, though, that he's just sort of grab bagging from. Yeah anything he can do to hate himself in that particular moment that, yeah. yeah that's true um okay so how do we want to do we want to i mean there's not much on? to like do we want to i mean talk we about just hit, hit play on scenes? it we can talk and and if we you know if we see anything that's like relevant but i guess i don't know i mean i'm i mean the, the super solenoid theory that that's something that i caught 
even harder this time and and that becomes sort of more clear in this edit of things where they say like that's the only way that that giant could run so they're talking about the s2 engine oh the super solenoid theory which i believe is dr katsuragi's theory and like okay that's how it's running and that's part of what the, the research that they're doing um and then we get at the end the bigger scene where it ingests the angel i mean the evangelion ingests the uh s2 engine from the angel and that's part of why it's able to run without an umbilical cable for the remainder of the series. Mm. So that I don't think we've talked about. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about that we wanted to that, that Kevin that you brought up at the end. We we see the scene play out twice of the the classic head popping scene or the the precursor to the Kaoru head popping, um, mm-hmm. the, the battle in, in Central Dogma and uh, Kaoru almost merging with Adam slash Lilith. Oh, and one thing I, I guess I did want to bring up about that scene that I noticed, because Kaoru stops when he realizes it's not Adam, and it is indeed Lilith, and he says, oh, so that's your plan, Lilin. Oh, that's your plan, humanity. That's what you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And we talked before about what is the difference between those things. Uh, and I don't want to say too much and, you know, spoil any Evangelion, we know, but it, it sort of seems like, okay, if he had merged with Adam that potentially that would have just obliterated humanity. Yeah. And if he merged with Lilith, that will instigate this evolution of the human instrumentality project that, you know, merges the all souls into one. So it seems like maybe that's the difference between. Oh, okay. Like, well, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's not... <laughs> I want to be able to hear your voice. Well, no, I guess, because I guess if, if, if Zayla was trying to trick him into doing that, right. Cause they send him there to speed it up and gendo says here clearly they're trying to skip a step yeah they're trying to jump right into it so yeah so maybe lilith and adam getting back together getting you know the the gatekeeper and the key master yeah (laughs) these two kids get together yeah it is like that that's the end of humanity and uh but yeah so well, I guess Adam, Adam, and Adam getting Adam's soul reuniting with his body would obliterate mm-hmm. humanity, mm-hmm. whereas Adam and Lilith getting together will instigate the evolution of humanity. That makes sense, right? Yeah, I think that actually makes right. sense. So that's what they want. That's but the thing that you wanted to talk about is how the fuck yes. does Ray get down there? How the fuck did Ray get down there? It's true because wait, wasn't she was? Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't she like in bandaged mode at this point, or? She was, but she's not. I, I think she's better, you know, because the bandages were all bullshit. Because she's, you know, oh, that's she's true. The third oh, one. that's true. The yeah, bandages were kind of fake. Because um, I think when he talks to her on the escalator, that for I don't think she's in the bandages. No, later she's not. Episode, you're right. So, hmm. but it's still like how many fucking thousands of feet down into the, you know, boring into like <laughs> this chamber deep in the earth. Like how? Yeah, I mean, it, it took like several minutes for Coward to like float I've down, never, there. down there. I've never stuff. questioned it until today, and I still don't know if I like you know am that deeply concerned. Um, but, but she this... could have been down there waiting. She could have gotten the sense that something's up. I was like, I better get down to Central Dogma, so hang out here on the ceiling in this thing <laughs> and just wait. <laughs> She could have been, like, close to there somehow. Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, it's, uh, you know, they only notice her because, like, her... Uh, AT field, the, yeah. AT field goes off the charts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And not 
pattern blue. It's I think they don't even they don't they don't it, know. It's, it's like can't, can't get a can't get a read. But it comes up and then it disappears. Yeah, and then it comes and up then again. It cuts to her, and then it cuts. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Well, I I don't know if the one because they get they get a huge. This is the biggest AT flu we've ever seen, and it makes some sort of oh, I don't know, I can't what they what they say like a barrier or something. Mm-hmm. And I get the sense that that had something to do with Kaoru. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one. Oh, there's another one, and it's combating the thing it's combating the the uh barrier or whatever that was made and so that and that one is implied to be ray so it seems like which is really a curious thing um because like i'm not taking this as ray has like any metaphysical power beyond like what we've seen but this brought us up to have like that this brought up the other question um where ray other instances where ray has just like appeared magically and it's not the same thing necessarily because I think in the first episode, you know, there is a flash of Ray before ever introduced to her character, and which we've she, never talked about on the we've show. We've never talked probably about. Probably should it. have. No, and so they play it again in this one. Mm-hmm. But when Shinji is like awaiting Masato's pickup um, at the station, mm-hmm. um, when the first angel is attacking. Um, I think what happens is the the angel makes an attack. Like Shinji notices, like glances over like down the street or something and there is like Ray standing in the middle of the street like watching him in her school uniform, in her school uniform and yeah. at this point in reality she is in her bandages and is on the mm-hmm. gurney because they're about to wheel her in and like oh we're gonna like Ray pilot it again so it can't literally be Ray no it has to be some sort of astral projection or you know the mental connection between Ray and Shinji so it's causing him to see that even the- though he hasn't Interactive yeah, I I always kind of took it as something not to, uh, like how to say this. Like the first episode, I always kind of forgave in a certain way stylistically for trying certain things that sure. never ended up kind of occur- Which reoccurring is in the traditional show. in television. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. the, yeah, you would you could see that kind of thing happening. But it's just lot. interesting in that we get a real big callback to some of the stuff in End of Evangelion, which we guess can't discuss yet. But the that's idea true. of of you know, sort of a ghost Ray or seeing, seeing Ray where she is not really there. And also what is utilized? What are we to say about in this scene where Ray is basically confronting Kaoru before like he merges with Adam Lilith? Um, what is it to say that like her AT field is like off the charts or at least like a powerful enough thing mm-hmm. at that point to like register on nerves computers and also to like conflict with this like angel i don't know isn't that like we've never seen anything like that before from no a standalone well, do they i can't remember do they interact being? much in the show they've i don't think they've ever he just they, says oh, yes. we're the same yeah that's yeah. right yeah no, we talked about this on the show yeah right? we did yeah we did that, that her body is a clone yeah well Lilith, this body. Is a, this is a great so set. this is adam and lilith yeah in exactly human form exactly yeah having it having it out that's way. actually fucking awesome yeah yeah Huh. And that's really interesting because it's a good segue into that other bit that we noticed, which is uh, Ritsuku's whole kind of tale. Um, mm. And when Ritsuku's mom mm-hmm. is strangling a child. <laughs> Murdering Ray. a child. Mur- which we do see happens. The timeline is a little bit clearer because she's having a conversation with yeah. uh, college Ritsuko with her blonde hair. And she leaves and says that the night my mother died... Uh, or the night before she died or whatever, she said blah, blah, blah to me. But it does establish that Naoko killed herself pretty much immediately after killing Child Ray. Yeah. 
but it, but when she's choking her, she she says, like, you can be replaced. Well, she something. she like stops short of saying it because it's like it's like when when Ray when we see the scene where Ray like is running with the the bomb like a football or whatever, she says like it's okay if I die, I can be replaced. Mm-hmm. And then it's like uh, Ritz's mom says like it's okay if you die, and she sort of like stops short of saying the rest of the line. But there's a flash of Kaoru in like a reflected in Ray's eye or something like it's a weird right like her face sort of flashes into his so there's two things here one that I think is interesting in that it you know it doesn't absolve Naoko at all but it it makes her decision in that moment slightly more understandable if she did know that this child is a is a clone and that there is you know a tank of them elsewhere yeah or that this is not you know if she's sort of looking at her as like you know, the way Asuka does or the way that Ritsuko looks at the the parts in the tank of, like, this is just a human-shaped thing. This isn't really a person. And, what you know, obviously it is, and, you know, she's she's wrong in that. But, like, in that moment when she's got her, she's acting in anger and has her hands around the throat, that she kind of tells herself, yeah, it's not, I'm not really killing a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm just killing this weird scientific experiment. And it kindly, you know, it kind of makes, I buy her, her reaction a little bit more knowing that, if that's the and- case. In, 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 like I was saying, that it does, because we talked about it before, like whether or not Kaoru had a childhood similar to, because we learned eventually that Ray, of course, was raised in this, like, yes. lab. And it does make me think the way that they put that Kaoru image in there that, like, he was a parallel project that was either, you know, that some people knew about, but obviously not that many and was yeah. being kept somewhere mm-hmm. else for yeah, this I, purpose. I think that's... And I think raised by Kaji. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who taught him how to be cool. Because he's cool, like Kaji. Time for your cool lessons. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's some interesting stuff. What else? I mean, the big thing is... I mean, you get to see the uh, the hand, the, the embryo in the hand, and that even that goes by so quickly. It just seems like that's such an important piece of information that Gendo has the atom embryo fused into his hand, and they don't show you it at all in the original show. Yep. And then even in death, and they're like, all right, I got this footage, we're going to put it in. They still kind of don't make emphasize that enough. Um no, I mean, it's, it's like almost as though it's like a like an early Cronenberg movie where like yeah, the exactly. effect was really expensive and they couldn't put it. It's like, you just, it's just a drawing, guys. <laughs> like, well, the effect didn't quite work, so we had to cut it. You yeah. know, it was just a few frames that were usable. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did notice one new piece of music. There's a piece of music when Ava Zero is going berserk after the test. And like most of this stuff is like these are themes and these are cues that we've heard throughout the show or that we're going to hear in End of Evangelion. But there's one piece that i like did not recognize which i thought was kind of interesting yeah i thought it sounded like something from godzilla but that was just me is that the actual translation here that was don't run away don't run away i thought it was i mustn't he says i mustn't run away Uh and by and large so this is our first experience with any of the netflix translations uh here on the show because we've been watching the adv release by and large it seems like it's a little bit more literal than i would like it felt yeah, it felt more on the nose all around. Like they, but they, I honestly don't. I think "Don't Run Away" mm-hmm. is better than yeah, "I yeah, Mustn't yeah. Run Away." I, I "Mustn't Run Away" has always been like really kind of clunky. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. always what it's been in multiple translations. But he's just talking to himself. Yeah, and this is the idea of "Don't run away, don't run away, don't run away." Yeah, uh, that in a, in like a compulsive the, the way American that, yeah. ear, the English speaking ear, in a much <laughs> much easier way that I mustn't run away. Yeah, mustn't is a weird. Um... <laughs> so formal. <laughs> yeah, but even like obtuse though. It's like it's it's 
it, like, yeah, it's strange. Mustn't. I mean, if if this, like, I will say, if 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 the translation is more literal, just in death and not in the entire series, I actually don't mind it as much because for the purposes of what this is, if you've been even even if you've been binging it, I mean, you're still like it's probably good to have a little refresher and that like. You know, like how they loop, just being more literal and more, you know, just, just here's a chance for more clarity. <laughs> well, like like how they do ADR lines for trailers that will sort uh-huh. of like, like take condense down a speech a character says into just like something that's clear, more clear for trailers. Because this is basically like if you think of this moving more like a, a a very long trailer, it does that. It makes more sense. It's like it's a trailer for. You know, this you've sh- already yeah. seen. Yeah, and so it does, just as a refresher, like, having them say things more clearly is, you know, isn't bad. what's interesting is that what this really is, because the show is the show, and the show evolves, and it starts out, you know, very silly and straightforward, and it's slowly, you know, we've, we've talked, they gradually start to get more psychological, it starts to get darker, the direction starts to get stranger, they start doing these things, or they have to repurpose old footage and cut it together, and so there's this real evolution of the show, and you're about to watch End of Evangelion, and you have your memories of the show. What's sort of interesting about death is that, you know, it starts with with all that tragedy stuff, and then it's, it goes into the, you know, not even literal, apparently, string quartet. Here's the characters from the show all getting together in a shadowy gymnasium with, with like, the lights all off, doing the string quartet to do canon and D. And... Um, we're about to watch an Evangelion and it's sort of like getting you in the right mood for that. And like, yeah, don't think about, cause they don't even play the Misato theme. Like there's a scene where they go into Misato's apartment yeah. and I was like, Oh, they're going to play the Misato theme. And they don't, they're not recalling the show as it was necessarily. They're recalling the show through the lens of what it has become. That's nice. And so yeah. it, it is a primer of like, yeah, here's everything that happened, but here's everything that happened in the tone of where we've kind of ended up. And where it's about to go, yeah. which is, you know, it's gotten so, and I, you, I say this with love, but it's gotten so pretentious, like that you start the thing and there's all the stuff and the, the string quartet. And then like the title comes up and it's the word Evangelion in Roman letters, but it's backwards mm-hmm. and then death on the bottom <laughs> and then like classical music's playing and there's just like shots of empty sets and stuff. And it's like, whoa, we've got, like, this is such a far cry from, like, check out my cleavage and, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all <laughs> well, that stuff. So I think that's really interesting in that it's sort of, like, getting you ready and, like, yeah, remember all this, but it's it's a last chance to look back at everything that's come before with it, the flavor of, yeah. And, it, and, it, we, is, and it is, as far as, like, we talk about the structural oddities of it, like, it does to some degree, it, I mean, you could potentially look at it as, yeah, you like you used to use the stream of consciousness, but it's almost like I described, you know, my friend Jake recounting the, the the show to me. It's like it's almost like this is somebody's emotional memory of the show and it doesn't go fully in linear order. It kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, the way you tell stories, you forget oh, something the way, you meant to say. It's the and you way go like back after and, you've spent like a week watching Evangelion with your friends when you're a young person and you're trying to go to sleep and you're just remembering Evangelion and just remembering all the stuff that you saw and you're like thinking about Misato and like, oh, oh that's right, there's another Misato scene and it's just like kind of grouped together mm-hmm. in that way of like, yeah, here's a memory that leads to another memory. And there's yeah. like, no, wait, let me try and get that in order. What does that have to do with this? And that's why we end up with seeing that one scene like twice. Which is interesting. I mean, that does, you know, like I reference Godard, but like there is other, I mean, we, we reference Malik a lot on with, with this sort of thing. Although this predates Malik's sort of 
evolved form when he returned. Or I mean, I guess if this is 98, that's around the time Thin Red Line came out. But still, like, there's no way that it would have been influential. But yeah, like, Tree of Life has that kind of structure. Uh, Nicholas Rogue's Bad Timing very uh, famously has that structure intentionally about memory and the way that we do things. And so it's, it is interesting to sort of, if that's in any way what they were going for. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's always been... See, I didn't see death until way later, and I think we got it from your friend Jake. Oh, yeah! Honestly, because my friend Will and I yeah, watched... Yeah, I think so. We watched all the show, and we watched End of Evangelion, and death was always this that's other how, that's thing. How I, that's how I impressed you guys. That's how I, that's how I helped yeah. like solidify our friendship. Was like You mentioned that you couldn't get it. I was like, oh, 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 my friend has it. Uh, I'll, I'll get it for you guys. And I think I gave it to Will or you, and you like, made a copy of it. I don't think we made a copy of it, but we did. Or maybe I said you should make it. a copy of it, and you watch it, and you're like, yeah, we don't need to make a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, so for us, it was always like, it is all footage that we have seen for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember, you know, what version of Death we would have seen, and if there would have been any extensive director's cut stuff that would have been, like, super exciting. But but I do remember always sort of looking at, like, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, that's that's the recap stuff. Um so I don't know, but I do. I do think it's it's interesting on its own. I mean, I don't at, think at, it's essential. Yeah, I think at my most enthusiastic I've ever been for for this particular movie. Um, it was an appreciation of everything we've seen in this show in terms of like craft and like construction of scenes and like you said, like juxtaposition of certain themes as well as like visual kind of motifs and. This uh, death just serves as like kind of like a, a machine gun onslaught, like best uh-huh. of all of that, yes. like crafty, styly shit, mm-hmm. um, which is always a pleasure. Also with the incorporation of Pachelbel as well now. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. I don't think we've, we, we haven't had that yet. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I do think it is an important step in the evolution of the series uh you know at least probably for the creators too of like they just start really getting into the headspace of <laughs> of you know this is what the show is now and, yeah and, exactly and, and this helped i think uh get them there probably i did i do i do it's i'm glad you brought it up at the very beginning um that reminding that yeah this, this was the first time people had the opportunity to see this stuff on the big screen because that, oh, which man, this is something I just found out about. But in Japan, they are going to be screening the entire series in movie theaters, Jesus. like in like five episode blocks or something. So it ended up being like some like you know fifty dollars to do the whole thing. But uh, oh, yeah, there's like a, over a series of nights, there's certain theaters where they're playing it all. Okay, uh, here's it's uh, this is uh, like the Joker and Dark Knight, like the auditions for the thing. It's like. All right, Alamo Draft House, downtown LA. All right, downtown Independent. All right, New Beverly. All right, Egyptian or Arrow. You know, throwing the pool cue in the middle of the room. Oh, wait, like, who wants go, my go who, who wants my lifelong loyalty? If anybody wants to play all of Evangelion on the big screen in Los Angeles when I'm in town to watch it, uh, I will uh, uh, patronage your theater for the rest of my life uh, if you want to do that. So. Yes. If anybody wants a lifetime, uh, all three of us, we'll just sure. go ahead and make that commitment. I mean, at the very least, it's got to be somebody who's going to do the rebuild. They'll movies. do they'll, they'll, they'll do the movies. You know, I want the rebuild. Downtown, the Downtown Independent has played them in every subsequent release. I don't know if they'll do like a thing where they play them all, but I bet yeah. they'll play the fourth one. Yeah. And I'm going to start tweeting at them relentlessly. Uh, I was trying to read Shinji's sign. What is that? Oh, hey. Uh, so it is It is Shin. Shin-chan no... Luke's reading Japanese, by the way. Is 
Well, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's all like katakana and hiragana, so it's like the alphabet <laughs> Japanese. More than I like, can do. So it is Shinji's. I don't know what the oheya means. Maybe somebody can tell me. But the O has a little heart drawn as part of it, and heya means room. So it is Shin Shinchan's room. But I don't know what the O signifies other than the fact that it has a little heart so it does seem to be that's why we got those different translations of like shinji's lovely suite and little shin's room <laughs> little there's, shin's room <laughs> there's definitely something cutesy about <laughs> about it there. have we made the joke about a soundcloud rapper calling himself little shin has that been a thing yet <laughs> maybe because uh, i do think it's strange that shinji spells his name with katakana and not with kanji at all that would be considered uncommon is that well, I, d- I don't know. I just know that, like, my son's middle name is Shinji, and, like, traditionally, with you'll hear characters in Japanese things talk about, uh, yeah. you know, my name is spelled with the character for Moon and the character for blah, blah, blah. And uh, so it's, like, kanji, which can is the pictorial thing. Mm-hmm. It these has, like, the, a poetic sort right. of quality. Well, these are it. the syllabaries, which is, like, these are the alphabet. Like, mm-hmm. there's the alphabet for foreign words, which is, at, which is the katakana, which is what Shinji spells his name with. And then there's the, the the hiragana, which is like the syllabary. Like these are the sounds. It's like mm-hmm. spell it out, sound it out. But so when you're when you're a kid and you're first learning, you'll learn that. And when you're studying Japanese, you first learn those because that mm-hmm. sort of feels like a traditional alphabet. With the kanji, you're still learning that stuff in high school. Like you are kind of when you're a Japanese mm-hmm. language native speaker, you're like continually learning different characters, and that newspapers have a base level of a certain number of set number of characters mm-hmm. that you have to be able to read, and like that's kind of what the newspaper has. And the literature will have like a higher amount where there's sort of new words and new characters. But so traditionally, I think with a name, yeah, you that's would spell it with it. a pictographic kanji. Mm-hmm. But his doesn't have that. It's I mean, do you, just, do you think, just spelled out. Do you think in any way that's meant to imply like the sort of lack of parenting, like almost as though as though like hmm, his name was completely utilitarian and it didn't like you know like because because I like that idea. I can't speak to that at all. I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody listening that could tell us a lot about that stuff. Who's much or it's, better or it's like some student sort of, Japanese than I am, but. I just I do think it's interesting. I mean, or or it's some sort of like slight rebellion on Shinji's part, where it's like you know maybe there is, you know maybe he his name did have a kanji thing, but he cho- <laughs> chose, chose to, to do that because he right. you know depersonalizes from his yeah. parents. You but know, even my like, you know you know I mean, my American son has like he's got kanji to spell mm-hmm. his middle name. What is not a uh, coincidence that we haven't really talked about before is the name Ray. Is that Ray is the word for zero in Japanese? Really? Yeah. So, I didn't know that. Among other things. Did you know that, Kevin? No. And she pilots Unit Zero. It's true. So, you know. Does, I do, ka- does yeah. Katakana have anything to do with a more modernization of the language and perhaps... I believe originally Katakana was like the women's alphabet for some reason, but I don't know why I'm thinking that or remembering that okay. from a report that I did like in college on <laughs> 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 this stuff. Um, yeah, I, th- I feel like it was the women's alphabet for whatever reason in its in its genesis. There is this scene in the in the movie here, and you know, obviously, like all these scenes, is a scene from the show. But the scene where uh, Kensuke is really jealous of Shinji, I think, is interesting. When he's like, "Oh man, you're so lucky. You get to live with Misato mm-hmm. and pilot the Evangelion, and I don't get to, you know." That just seemed interesting to me in that he's sort of very deliberately 
feels like he's the audience there of like, man, I wish I could be you. And then like the whole show seems to be about, look how much it fucking sucks to be Shinji. Yeah. Like, look how hard this is or how hard it would actually be. And so from an otaku standpoint of like, don't you want to, and, and this kind of the thesis of the show of, don't you want to live the dream? And, and it's a whole kind of subgenre, but like the wish fulfillment show that is actually a nightmare mm-hmm. taking the wish fulfillment genre and being like, yeah, but if that were real, here's the emotional toll it would take on you. So it's fun to be the audience member and think you want to go to this place, but in reality it would be so fucking terrible. <laughs> I think that's interesting. And then just in a more general sense, you know, the grass is always greener. You know, it's it's easy to look at anybody who has anything and sort of be like, man, I wish if only I had that, I'd be happy. And it's like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you're not, you know, somebody, somebody tweeted today. It's sort of like, if you ever needed proof that money doesn't necessarily bring you happiness, just like look at the new Kanye West album. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, just having these things doesn't, you're still, you're still you, like you're still mm-hmm. a person and you're still going to want more and it's still not going to actually bring you what you want. So just looking at somebody, Kensuke looking at Shinji and being like, God, I wish I had what well, you had. It's like, but you don't though. Like it's the same Everybody's fucking sad and depressed. <laughs> well, and Kinsuke is like the one thing. Like maybe the character, if, him and class rep, maybe are the only characters that like have the closest thing to like a normal functioning life of any right. of these people. <laughs> like, and in, and in part, it's because they actively do want things that they can't have. Like that kind of keeps you sane. Is mm-hmm. is like the the hope the like having a dream, obtaining a dream is sometimes just like okay, well now what. Mm-hmm. Got my dream uh you know you end up like shinji when he's like you know yeah i just didn't want to do anything and like, did you want to die no i just didn't really carry the way and kensuke's like no oh, but i gotta keep going because maybe i'll be the mm-hmm. eva pilot mm-hmm. so he has something to to live for whereas you know shinji and the rest kind of don't or you know asuka tells herself she does and then as soon as that's taken away yeah she's catatonic in a bathtub so i don't know that's real dark but mm-hmm. uh, I just thought it no, was No, I think I think that is interesting and I think that is intentional on I probably Ano's part, knowing that it came yeah. like this came from a bunch of nerds who are like, We're gonna make our own anime and our own stuff and then they start making it and Ano's like, Fuck <laughs> you know, it's like it was one thing to make the fun Ultraman movies by themselves, but now here's the pressure, the mm-hmm. money's running out, it's all on you, Ano. You gotta fucking deliver the thing and he's like, Ah <laughs> and you can just see that on screen of this is just a scream. <laughs> Well, I also it, it, everything you're saying also does, it, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if I have other examples off the top of my head. Although it comes, I'm sure we've talked about it, but just a sort of like I don't know if it's a genre, but a sort of type of story or just a narrative approach to any story of the just what would what would it really be like? And I've talked about it a lot with the way that the mechan- like the the physical aspects of this show, he's trying to account for what would be required to do all these things. But I think like on an emotional level, the kind of story that's like. Yeah, you're the you're the boy hero. You're the you're the chosen mm-hmm. one. You're the you know you're Luke Skywalker. You know, like what what is that really like? And 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 it's so easy, especially with genre stuff, to sort of just go to the most like stock or sort of familiar expressions of emotions for the types of characters that are fighting bad guys or you know piloting giant robots or you know have superpowers or what have you. But to to tell an emotional story about what it would actually be like and what would be difficult about it. Cause like you're saying, I mean, the grass is always greener thing. It's such a, it's so dumb to say it, but it's like, yeah, I mean, your life can suck at any, like you, you can have frustrations and, and, and disappointments no matter what version of a life you have, even if you are the chosen one who's, you know, mm-hmm. p- protecting the world from, you know, destruction and stuff like that. Like that's not, 
that doesn't provide you with a sense of purpose that just like carries through your day to day into like you know joy <laughs> it's uh-huh. like it makes a lot of sense when you're watching the show it's really dumb to say that but uh but hey you can have fun on rainy days too yeah <laughs> yeah oh the one thing that we did notice is the implication that in this in the death universe anyway it seems to be that track 26 on shinji's s dat is canon in d right because it goes directly from that you hear it playing and it changes like diegetic sound too. It changes like this quality of the sound to like being that of like through his earbuds. Yes. Like, which is a really interesting decision. But I think ultimately, though, we have to fall back on the show, um, like the the truth of what that song is. Didn't somebody actually pick that out? One of the like on the Ava Geeks website. Oh, maybe. I what? think somebody. I, I think I've Which, researched what? before. Like track. What is track twenty six? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I think there's been like a couple, like a couple track instances 26. of people like being like, "Oh, it's this from so and so," or because there know. is because we do hear it muffled in one of the scenes where it's exactly like, it, there's like a beat and like it sounds like J poppy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We get we get the wonderful scene again of Asuka coming in i I just love that there we do tight on shinji's eyes and you see his hair move when the the sleepwalking asuka slumps down into bed beside him um so so good yeah some of these some of the 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 scenes that are in this i i'm pretty sure it's they're not like redone in any way but sometimes seeing these things in isolation makes you appreciate details of the animation in 16 by 9 that's true too. To feel more cinematic. Like a, it's a there's a contextual change that 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 makes me appreciate certain bits of this in a different way than I had before. And so I so just in terms of what the value of this thing is, I do think the the recontextualization, like you know, it's it's that whole uh, and some has been reanimated. Ray's smile in the entry plug, for example. After oh really? The Battle of Romeo is reanimated. Interesting. Okay. Well, maybe then maybe more of it is than I thought. But there's just different different textures to things, different feelings about things. I mean, it's that old. Radio Lab thing where you know, like when you hear this, the thing repeated, it's like louder or whatever. So when you see a trailer, like certain moments hit more. It's like seeing it in this context makes certain things hit in a different way because of mm-hmm. the, it's being repeated or in a different way. I don't know. I'm yeah. babbling here, but well, I want to talk about the sideways credits that when death ends. Oh sure, go for get it. These amazing sideways credits, which just again, like from having the title be backwards to having the credits roll sideways. There's just so many choices. And even just calling it, you know, death and rebirth. Like, again, I, I called it pretentious, but just there's something to the show that just carries itself in this way that demands that you look at it in a certain way that does. You know, it's like with certain horror movies. Like, I love fun horror movies, um, but there are certain the horror movies that scare me the most are the ones that's like, there's no humor. There's no humor mm-hmm. in this world. Like, this is, it just makes you sort of march to a certain beat. And so that the show has gotten to where it's presenting itself in this way. It's like, oh, oh I guess I better take this fucking seriously. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think it's really interesting. And so just all these kind of strange choices um, are very powerful and effective for me personally. Did we want to talk about the fact that Edward Snowden just tweeted <laughs> a picture of Asuka yes. today? I told Kevin about this just before he got here. <laughs> Just a smirking, the smirking meme, like, picture of Asuka. And I don't know... With no text? Like, he just tweeted that? I don't know if it's in reference to anything. I looked at the... Um, I don't keep up with him. I don't keep up with that stuff at all. I mean, no, I did I, look up and saw that he was 36 years old. So it's like, okay, well, he's the right age to have, like, been, yeah. you know, And he's an like, just a nerdy fan. guy. I mean, the best response is that somebody 
tweeted a picture of him next to a picture of Gendo and said, leak the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Which I thought was great. Amazing. I like the idea that he's just been like hanging out and like really couldn't leave wherever he was for oh, a so minute. Oh, so this is a recent watch so for him? So some, some friend yeah, is maybe. Just like, oh. He's got like, time on his hands. This is a sick show Netflix. on Netflix. You should check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, what the fuck is Edward Snowden doing? Gets his VPN, watches Netflix yeah. over in... Uh, where is he? I think he's... I'm going to look that up. I mean, he was in Russia, which seems like that wouldn't make any sense now. But he like... just found some juicy new things and was like, chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he lives in Moscow still, I guess, according to Wikipedia. Gonna leak this stuff. Interesting. Uh, yeah, very, very, very interesting. Very funny. Well, and, and just it just I mean just just but just speaking to the to the broader cultural like the the way that Evangelion memes have come into their own. <laughs> Evangelion really. memes, guys, you gotta find if you're yeah you gotta find some of these. I, I should make a list of them, but the Evangelion meme accounts on Twitter are pretty good. I don't understand what's going on with Ray and the Burger King crown, but I do find it hilarious. Yes. <laughs> There's all these different versions of Ray. Ray and a Burger King crown? It's, yeah, it's just Ray, like, a you know, eyes off, as usual, like a disaffected looking Ray, but we're wearing a paper crown from Burger King. And I know there's a whole account that's like Tokyo Burger King at Tokyo 3. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I, don't, I, I only see, I see the ones I see and I see the ones you send me. But I haven't. I send uh, you a lot. And I apologize. Oh no, they're but. great. But I need to actually follow some of the accounts because it's just, it's just, it's been a nice thing. I mean, obviously everyone loves memes. Um, but if you love Evangelion, and there have been Evangelion memes before, but the way that they are now penetrating the mainstream uh, yeah. is 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 Pretty quite fun. pleasing. Pretty good. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I guess we gave death its due. Its due here. Um, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same information. I mean, this was sort of a chance to to dig back into some of the mysteries a little bit, but it's still a little bit hard without yeah really having the whole thing in front of us. So yeah, when we do, we'll we'll do a lot with uh... my you know the update is my kids have sort of gotten back into it and have been watching more. We just saw Zeruel fighting and and Shinji you know activating it when it should have been dead and. He's now been subsumed in the, in the thing. So they're really getting into the, the gnarly stuff. And it's definitely, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to tell him to stop. Like uh, my youngest, I have a, a plush pen pen and he's like, well, I'm going to take that pen pen to bed. <laughs> we almost had to evacuate because of the Santa Clarita fires. And uh, so we had a bag packed and I like came out the other day and sitting next to the packed bag was my Evangelion popcorn head from Universal Studios Japan. <laughs> Pen Pen was apparently packed in the bag because the kids were like, well, if there's a fire, we have to take these things because I know that these are important to dad and they're irreplaceable. Wow. <laughs> so these have to come. So, That's, you know, they learned, they, yeah. they learned well. I mean, there I definitely told... was a moment when, when Zeruel like, cuts off the head and arms of Unit 2 and... You know, my little list is like, but you know, Asuka's okay, right? Like, yeah, everybody's okay. Everyone's okay for now. <laughs> I, I honestly think, in you know, far be it for me to, to suggest how you should be parenting your kids, like, I know anything about that. I think, it, I think it would be totally fine if you 
skip end of Evangelion? If you just yeah, if 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 for Oliver, or sorry, to turn out to their names. Uh, no, I think yeah, I can't remember if you said it. Anyway. Yeah, I, if if like the show just ends the way the show ends for him, and then in a couple years, <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah, and then in a couple years, you <laughs> show bullshit, him, death. you show him death, and you know, and in the Evangelion, right. like you remember, hey, you remember that thing? Well, you're probably old enough to see this now. I mean, or just fucking show it to him and just blow his mind. But like, right. I agree that it's if he's upset, if he's getting upset at anything in the show now, yeah. he's probably going to have a very, I mean, it's yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I should have just done the rebuild movies. In hindsight, I should have just allowed that because the rebuild movies get weird, but they don't get quite as like angry mm-hmm. uh, as as the show and movies do. Um, movie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So back back into that, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, what this is the, just not related at all, but just because people have, you know, we've done a couple of things where people have asked us for recommendations, and I mentioned it briefly on the thing, but uh, Kevin and I are uh, watching Mr. Robot season four now, um, which is the show that I've, I resisted for quite a while until people finally got me to just try it out, and uh, I've loved the show, but recently I have been thinking, just in watching it, that like, not to do that thing where I, like, you, you, make, you always make fun of me, Luke, for trying to guess who, who likes Evangelion. Have they seen it? I feel like Sam has. And I don't know Sam at all, but like watching, it, it, there's aspects of both the visual direction and some of the story, like some of the way the storytelling works that imply to me that uh, it's at least a similar, you know, I think he has a similar style or, or is interested in similar things. Some of the use of music. There's some really, there's just, aspects of mr robot that that echo this in a way so you know i mean it's a very popular television show uh worldwide but if you're listening to this to us talk and you like evangelion a lot and you're looking for something contemporary to watch that has anything like that flavor um if you haven't tried mr robot uh i really like it a lot then watch the leftovers yeah well the leftovers also but yeah 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 mr robot's great and uh yeah and if he if he wanted to do a live action oh boy (laughs) here we go I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, we have fun here. We like to have fun on sync ratios. Uh, oh my god, the next the next one's important. So yeah, we're just kind of yeah, we're, we're gonna, building up to that. Yeah, it'll be intense. If, you guys, your... you guys are gonna come to my house, right? Yeah, we're coming to your place to see it on the biggest the, big, the biggest screen we can get. Are we doing the Netflix one or the Blu-ray? We should do the Netflix one. Probably, I think yeah. that's what most people are going to have. Um, and Although we should do a comparison to see which one. We should watch the clips of both to see mm. what the comparison of the quality is. Yeah, I think we'll try and do two episodes for that for each because there's a break in between mm-hmm. and really dig in. I should do a little bit of reading because there's a lot of you know alternate endings and footage. Uh, um, Michael Rookard, our our buddy on Twitter, has you know sent me access to a lot of things that I'd been looking for and you know was familiar with, but we had to dig and find and uh, and some stuff that I had never heard of before. Um, kind of detailing some of the behind the scenes stuff of the movie that'll be really interesting. So in addition to just the narrative content, there's there's other stuff too about like well what were they going to do and what was you know there's there's live action footage that they shot and used in trailers but didn't show up in the movie. Um, so it's some really fascinating stuff to dig into, but yeah, you know, well, we'll eat you're ready, a guys. popcorn bucket. Yeah. Maybe I'll make a cake. That would be great. <laughs> we'll make it, we'll make it a celebration. We'll all wear our shirts and stuff. It'll be good. I mean, Kevin and I are wearing shirts today. I know. 
Where are you, Ben? I just put the I've same. I've got an AT Field shirt on. Kevin has a Ray T-shirt on. Well, I'm going to wear the Ray T-shirt that you got me. Okay. All right. Okay. Well. Shit. All right. And we'll try and be more timely. I don't know. We'll 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 end the show and and uh, put this in our calendars because we want to get this stuff out to you. Yeah. Uh, and I want to watch the rebuild movies at some point too. But I want to at least get through any Evangelion and have covered the entire series proper. And then if we need to take a beat to re- mm-hmm. you know recalibrate and get shit together to watch those other things, fine. But I want to make sure we we cover the, the we will the climax. Well. See you guys next time. Yeah. Thanks, guys.